All right, so before we begin, I would just like to state for the record that today is September 29th, 2021, and my name is Ben Bauman. I'm here in Indianapolis, Indiana, and I'm speaking via phone with Dan Poole, who is in Sabrina, Florida, and we are doing an interview for the Indiana Legislative Oral History Initiative. Um, so just starting off, when and where were you born? I was born in Illinois. I was the oldest of six children. Uh, that my parents had, and uh, I was actually raised there till I was 18. But during the, the war, the big war, I guess, we lived in Indianapolis where my uh, father worked building engines for aircraft that were in the war operation. Oh, wow. And what were your parents' names? My father's name was Lee Donald Poole. He went by Don Poole, and my mother's name was Pauline Stanley Poole. Interesting. Her okay. maiden name was Stanley. Yeah. And um, let's see, did you have any siblings growing up? I had five siblings, uh, all of them younger, and uh, most of them don't remember anything about Indianapolis and living there because it was too early in life for them. Uh, but uh, the others were all born in, I had one born in Indianapolis and then the others all born in Illinois. Okay, yeah. How would you describe your childhood? My childhood? Yes. Uh, my childhood was uh, fairly good. I lived in a little town. Uh, in southern Illinois, which uh, was uh, nice because we knew most of the people in town. It was there were eight thousand people or so in the town, and probably another eight thousand in the county. But um, we lived close enough to town that we could do most of the things that other kids could do, but we had a lot more freedom than sometimes people have in the cities. We, uh, Our parents knew that if we were doing anything wrong, there'd be other people calling them and telling them. Yeah. So we, were, we had a pretty good, good life, and uh, I went to grade school and what they call middle school now, and and high school there, and then after that I left and came to Indiana. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Um, would you say your parents were the most influential people in your childhood? Absolutely. Absolutely. My dad was a was a person who uh, believed that your word was your bond, and. Uh, you didn't have to sign everything. Your your word was good enough, and a handshake was the ceiling thing. And so uh, you treated people like you wanted to be treated, and he stood for it. I I made a derogatory statement about somebody one time, and uh, I riding in the car with him, and he corrected me immediately and said, "You don't say." nasty things about people they they're doing the best they can and you uh, go along with that so he he was very much that way and my mother of course was a hard worker raising a family and 
cooking meals and all that for all of us. So it was uh, it was a good life we had at the time there. Yes. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty good situation then. It was it was for us and it was for most people there. I don't know anybody that really had a hard time, but uh, mm-hmm. but uh, we uh, we had a good time and and mixed with all the people in the town. I mean, you, you mix with everybody. Yeah, sure. What understanding did you have about your family's political beliefs as a kid? <laughs> well, uh, I really didn't know. Um, I, I knew that my grandfather, my mother's dad, was a staunch Democrat. Okay. Uh, and so I and I absolutely adored the man. So I I was felt like that's well, then that's what we ought to do. Mm-hmm. But I didn't even know much about another the other party, the Republican Party, and and uh, Adlai Stevenson was the governor at the time. That's when he ran for president on the Democrat side. So. Uh, I was able to see at the last of the Eisenhower-Nixon ticket back in the early 50s. I was uh, able to, we got out of school and just walked down through town to a railroad track that had been there for I don't know how long and it's still there. But... uh, Nixon stopped and did a what they call whistle stops and stopped and on the back of the train and talked to the people in the town. I I saw one of those firsthand and and uh, it wasn't until I left uh, there that I even considered much about politics. So I started looking at at it later in life uh, in a more serious way than to actually see what I did believe. Right. Sure, okay. And when you were in school, did you have any favorite subjects or anything? Uh, well, yes. My, my favorite subjects were the math and science things. I, I enjoyed those and, and uh, stayed mainly in that area of, of school. This is in high school. And then my dad was in business in the, the little town. It's Olney, Illinois. It's west of Vincennes, Indiana, about 30 miles. And uh, we went to, to school and did everything there, but uh, I'm not sure where we're headed here right now with all of this, but uh, it was, well, it was later than that that things started happening, and I went, what I left in, uh, Illinois for was to go to school in Indiana in Terre Haute. Oh, okay. So that's where I went to school. Yeah, and so what college did you go to? I went to, uh, I started out at what's called uh, Rose Holman today. Okay. It was Rose Polytechnic Institute at that time, but it's, uh, it's Rose Holman. And then I 
left there and I went to Indiana State, which is inside in downtown Terre Haute. So I went to Indiana State and graduated from there in business. So I switched over from this math and science to the business things, which were like my father did. Yeah, okay, sure. And what did you hope to do uh, with your business degree after you graduated? Well, I, I hope to uh, go into into uh, employment with one of the businesses in the world. Uh, I didn't quite do it in the way that I thought I would, but it turned out fine. I, uh, I my first job was with. Uh, company called General Adjustment Bureau, which was an insurance adjusting uh, company that was owned by stock insurance companies. And uh, my first assignment was in Kokomo, Indiana. So I knew some people there. We were there for a short time, not very long. Yeah. And then I moved, they transferred me to Crawfordville, uh, to work in that branch of their office. And uh, that's how I ended up in Crawfordsville was with their company. Oh, okay, sure. And um, let's see, thinking again about your college experiences, how did you view your college experience? Oh, college was fun. It it was a a fun time. It was... uh, tough time switching schools. I didn't like that too much, but yeah. uh, it worked out. We got it straightened out, and, and uh, it was a nice time. It was a nice change in life uh, from being uh, a child under your parents' supervision to going out on your own and, and doing your things. And I uh, met my wife there, and uh, we... Married uh, shortly after that, and started raising a family, and then uh, after that, uh, the things you know don't have down the road in thirty years. Why well, things got a little different, and we decided to go different ways and got divorced. But okay. uh, that was a that was a fun time, and we had a we had a good time raising our family also. So yeah, it was. It was good. Sure. And how many children did you have? Well, I ended up with uh, two children. And okay. then uh, I, I married a lady whose uh, husband was gone, and I adopted three more children of hers. So, oh, wow. Uh, okay. So I ended up with five children, and it was uh, it was a good time. Yeah. So. Sure. And so when did you start becoming more seriously involved in politics? Uh, I became more seriously involved uh, when I left my first job. And uh, my father had changed uh, to a a business of kind of a general hardware store, a discount store, we called them, uh, and... And uh, I asked him if he, he'd asked me a lot of times if I would do that in, in Crawfordville, and yeah. I turned him down. I, I, he had been a, a 
car dealer when I was being raised. Uh, it was a tough road to hoe because he was a Studebaker dealer. So you're uh, going way back now. Yeah. And uh, so I asked him uh, if he was still interested in that, and we, he said yes, he was. So uh, I started by building a. Uh, a store on the south side of Crawfordsville, and that's why I became more interested in the political things because they affected me more. Uh, yeah, in getting permits and and uh, all of the things that were necessary to operate a business. Sure. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. And what would you say shaped your political outlook then, once you got interested in politics? What shaped it? Yeah. Oh, uh, I started uh, thinking about how I believed in things, and uh, I was a much more conservative person than uh, I was, uh, say, a liberal, and uh, I fit more into the Republican philosophies and things, so... I realized then that what I had raised with was just more of a, a family thing, and I I did it more because I liked the people involved of being in my family, but at the same time, I found out that I was more interested in in the other side and, and uh, became a Republican. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so once you started to get involved in politics more, uh, did you start thinking about any key issues or legislation that you were interested in? No. My, my first venture into politics was uh, to give our congressmen some money and to give a friend of mine who was running for the city council some money. Okay. And uh, they were they were both running in an election in the late seventies, and that uh, my friend that was running for city council won by three votes. But the next day he came out and he said, "I want you to take my seat." He had found out that he had cancer. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so I uh, I said, well, you go take it and run with it as long as you want, and then I'll do that after you're finished. Well, he resigned the next day. Wow. So, so it, was, it was over, and uh, so I was put in as a city councilman, and I served there for a couple of years, and then... Uh, the legislative position we uh, figured it was going to be open. It had, it had not announced that he wasn't going to run, but I figured it was going to be open. So I put together some people to help do that, to, to run a campaign committee, and, and we ran for the legislature. And my main concern at the time for running was business interests. Uh, the taxes and, and uh, requirements that we had on businesses, 
I was interested in the scene that they stayed in a uh, more conservative nature, and we could uh, keep them that way if, if we if I had any say in them at all. And yeah. uh, as it turned out, it turned that's what it, what it was. Uh, my committee assignments when I went in. Uh, the Speaker of the House was uh, a man by the name of Bob Daly from uh, over around Ball Street area, Muncie, and he made committee assignments. And one of my committee assignments, because I was in business, was the Commerce Committee. And uh, my previous experience as an insurance adjuster put me on the Insurance Committee. So. Those were those were the places that I started, and uh, one of the people that was there and is still, unless it's been recently gone, was was uh, is still working for the state. As he was an attorney with the legislative branch over there, and mm, okay. he's he's still head of the. Oh, I don't even know what they call it. It's where we file all of our reports for monies we raise and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So there's some some still around from those days <laughs> in yeah. the eighties. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, well, I was I was forty years old at the time. Yeah, sure. So you know when you were involved uh, in politics and stuff, did you have any, like, national political heroes or any state uh, political figures that you looked up to at all, or? Um, Reagan. Reagan, okay. President Reagan was uh, a person that uh, I admired for what he had done and for what he kept doing and what he said he was going to do and then he did it. Yeah, he, he uh, to me, was uh, kept his word on things and uh, I was uh, very much impressed by Reagan. Yeah. So that's, that one, yes. And I went in right after Reagan came to the legislature the next year. Okay. I, I was elected to the legislature in 1982, and uh, I don't know if you want to go to that yet or not, but that's that's where I, when I was elected there. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, we're going to get into that here in a, in a minute, I think. Um, and so when you were running your campaign uh, for the General yeah. Assembly, uh, was there a particular thing you tried to emphasize to voters? You know, uh, there were uh, there were people had run polls and all kinds of things, and uh, uh, one of the things that people were interested in was education. And it seems like it's always education; it just keeps coming up. Yeah. Uh, but I also ran as a business person who might who could bring that side of things to the legislature and not, uh, you know, something in some other field that didn't 
didn't have any business experience to it. And so that's what I did. And we didn't go into very much because we, we uh, the, the committee kind of made a lot of decisions. I did a lot of the studying, but committee came up with the final things that we did. And uh, part of that was not to get too many issues on the table. Uh, about three issues was about all we wanted to ever bring to the table. So we would do that, and we would also do that in uh, the way we would um, present at debates and that sort of thing. We we would set our agenda and what we were going to do in a debate, and we'd stick with that. Yeah. Or at least I would stick with it there. Rest of them. Sometimes they want me to say some other things, but I stayed with our agenda that the committee had uh, put together. Yeah, so okay. We did that. Did you? Do you remember your uh, opponent that you ran against? Yes, uh, I, I remember about all the uh, the the first opponent that I had. Uh, a guy by the name of Don Lash had the seat ahead of me. And uh, uh, people had pushed me to run, and I, Don Lash is the one we thought was not going to run. Yeah. And his son came, uh, moved back down to that district here. Don Lash lived in Rockville. Uh, pretty good family, pretty good bunch of people, nice, nice people. But uh, his son came to uh, Crawfordville because Crawfordville was a bigger market for the whole district. Yeah, okay. And uh, he ran. Uh, in fact, Don Lash resigned and Russell Lash his son came out and had all these campaign stuff put together. I mean, he already had a printer and everything was ready to go. So it was it was a set deal that it was going to be that way. Yeah. So that was my first opponent, and he was my toughest opponent mm. of all okay. time. He was in the primary, not in not in the general election. It was in the primary. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And. Um, do you remember what was most important to you as a candidate when you started running? Uh, the most important thing to me was to be honest and uh, be fair. Yeah, okay. With everybody. And uh, it made no difference to me if you were a Republican or Democrat. I was running as a Republican. But some of my best friends were Democrats, and and I uh, never took a, any uh, offense at that. That was never a big deal to me. Yeah. Uh, my next appoint, or opponent after that election, uh, that whole election, uh, was a very good friend of mine who was a Democrat, and I knew it, and he decided he wanted to run. He thought I was my first term, and I, I might be vulnerable, and he could win the election because the district was primarily Republican. 
it had been set up that way by Don Lash when he was in the legislature. Sure. And uh, I, I don't know how much yet, but to do with that, but um, like Montgomery County is a county that I was from. It's it's very much Republican, and uh, so with that a situation where this person that was a good friend and ran uh, thought he had a chance to do that and we were still friends when it was all over we were still friends yeah but but they he was not successful okay sure what did you think about the election process did it seem like a, a pretty good process or there things that you didn't like about it or I don't think there was much I didn't like about it. It was uh, a process at that time where money wasn't going to do near as much as shoe leather. Okay. And and we did uh, a lot of shoe leather. We uh, organized things to go into little towns and make sure that we were there and we... Uh, talked to the people, we went door to door and, and did that sort of thing. That's interesting to do. Yeah. Go door to door, you get, you get everything. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah, do you have any, uh, any interesting stories from people you met going door to door? I'll tell you one that happened the day after uh, I was elected in the primary. Okay. A lady, I was walking in downtown in Crawfordville, and a lady crossing the street stopped me. I did not know who she was, and she ringed me out for something that had happened in the government, and she was mad about it. <laughs> and I said, man, you know, anything to do with that. I never did any of this. And she, that was my wake-up call, that this is a place where people <laughs> get things done and that things happen that they don't like sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. She was that way. I, uh, I also met a lady who was uh, elderly at the time, going door to door, and I, I talked with her, and, and she wanted me to come in, and we talked about things. And I said, "Are are you going to vote?" And she said, "No, I I don't <laughs> vote." I said my daddy didn't think that women ought to vote, so I don't vote, and no. I'm not going to. And, so she wasn't going to vote at all. And, uh, wow. But it, it, it's okay. She still talked to other people who might vote. So yeah. I talked with her. I, did, I went ahead with things with her. But I was, it was, uh, I was a little shocked because <laughs> her daddy told her not to, and <laughs> that was it. Yeah, I guess you, was, you learned a lot about, uh, I guess, the people you could be representing and uh, by doing the door-to-door campaigning. Oh, you, you, yes, you do learn a lot about people, and you, uh, you cross paths with a lot of people uh, going door-to-door because other people are doing the same thing, uh, maybe not running for the same office you are, but for running for some office. Yeah. And it's very interesting, and especially when I got into other counties, 
Montgomery County was different than Park County, uh, very much different. And uh, those were the two main counties that I represented. And it was uh, a time to, you had to make sure where you were and what you were talking about because people had different feelings about things. And uh, uh, Park County is a county that has very little industry in it. And so property taxes are a little more higher, maybe, I should say. And they had, they were more interested in how much of their money was, they were paying for schools. Uh, Montgomery County had more industry and people weren't so much interested or uh, upset about how much they're paying. They wanted good quality schools. and. Okay. They were more interested in talking about those things than the cost of the schools. That one place was one way, and one place was the other, and you had to you had to know what you were doing, or you're going to make you're going to, you're not going to make people mad, but they, you know you're going to talk about things they're not interested in. Yeah, so you had to make sure you were talking about the things they wanted to know about. So it was okay. It was fine. I, I learned. A great deal. A great deal. Yeah, sounds like it. Um, and did your campaign strategies change over time, or did you continue to do what worked for you the first time? Uh, I, I continued to do what uh, I did the first time. Uh, I never did change from going to events in my district uh, if Park County Schools were having some event, I would be there. I would go to it. And if Montgomery County Schools were having some event, I would go there and make sure that I was there. Not not so much to campaign yeah. as to listen to people. Here, I would talk with people at those places. By the time I got finished with this, uh, most people knew who I was. So if they wanted to talk about something, I was there. And I talked to them about different things. And uh, there, were, there were things that were done that came out of those uh, talks with people and things like that. So yeah, it's, uh, it's very worthwhile. Yeah, that sounds like it. Um, what was your first election day like? How were you feeling? First election day? Yeah, were you first? I was, yeah. I was very uptight about it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know how that election was going to turn out. Uh, Park County had always taken their candidate and put a lot of votes to their candidate. And Russell Lash came from that county. Okay. Uh, he was, uh, and this is a, a primary, and um, I didn't know how it was going to turn out. I didn't really know. I had not run in, in a county-wide election, so I didn't know how people were going to take me in the election, even in my own county. So I, uh, I was uptight about it. Uh, what happened was that instead of losing... Park County by, you know, a 
1,000 or 2,000 votes. I wouldn't get 2,000, but you might lose 1,000. I lost Park County by 79 votes. Okay, wow. Which meant that we split it. Yeah. And then I won Montgomery County, where I'd, I had lived for a good while at that time. Yeah, okay. And so how did you feel when you found out that you officially won the election? Oh, elated. Yeah. Just elated. <laughs> uh, uh, it, was, it, it was tough. And actually, because the district is so Republican to start with, or it was at that time, and I think it still is, uh, I knew that if, unless I did something really bad, I would probably win in the fall. Yeah. So the big election was that primary election, and uh, I was elated about that, and the committee was elated. We had put together a program, and it had been accepted, and we were successful in it, and we were happy with that. Yeah, okay. So what were you thinking then uh, the first day you went to the state house? as an elected official? I didn't even know what that first day would be. Yeah. Uh, when you go to the state house, the, the first day is organizational day, which is two weeks after the election. Uh, at least it was at that time, and I think it probably, it probably still is. I don't really know. Uh, but you'd go there, and you'd, you would... Uh, elect a speaker. If you were in the majority, you'd elect a speaker. If you weren't in the majority, you'd elect uh, a head of your party. Yeah. Uh, in my case, we elected a speaker who was already the speaker, so we just re-elected Bob Daly for Muncie. And uh, let's see, we, elect, we elected the uh, caucus chairman also. Yeah, okay. And then the speaker uh, appointed other offices, of which I did not get appointed to. Okay. <laughs> a newbie. I, yeah. I wasn't going to get appointed to any of that. Right. But um, it was it was interesting uh, that organizational day, and uh, we. Uh, the thing that the sessions generally start in January. That at that particular time, the governor was Bob Orr, and uh, they were in trouble, financial trouble. The state was, and Bob Orr called a special session for uh, the legislature to address the financial conditions we were in. Yeah, okay. And then that, that session was in January, or not January, in December, middle of December. We went over there for a couple of days, and I, I, uh, we raised some taxes. So my first vote was to raise taxes, which is just unreal because that's the very thing you don't want to do. Right. And, but that's what it was, and, that, and it had to be done, or the state was going to be in dire straits really quick. So we, that's what we did. Um, yeah. I met some very good people 
real quick there telling me what was going to happen and how it was going to be worked and everything like that. But other people did too. I mean, there were there were several of us selected at that time, and uh, we were we were um, told what to expect and what was going to happen, and and it did happen. We we did just fine. Yeah. So, what did you think about the uh, legislative process? Did you think it was uh, really complex, or did it make sense, or was it flawed? Uh, I I really thought the legislative process uh, was very good. Yeah. And, uh, of course, I was in the majority, so that made it better. I had no particular agenda. I had no legislation that I wanted to pass or anything. Uh, I, I can't even tell you what legislation I had, but they'll make sure you have a, a bill or two that you can put through a, something that won't uh, isn't real earth-shaking. Right. And you can put put those through, and you get experience. And I wanted to spend the first year or two learning more than anything else. I wanted to learn what we did and how we did it and why we did it. And uh, that's that's what I was going through. I, I didn't really care about the legislation I had at the time. And uh, they put me on the Commerce Committee, which uh, had all of the legislation I don't know how old you are, Ben, but uh, they, uh, at the time, we were trying to help the economy in, in, in Indiana. Okay. And, and the auto industry had gone way down. The lieutenant governor was John Mutz at okay. the time. And right. John had put together several programs to help companies come to Indiana. Some of those programs were exactly like other states' programs, but some of them were new also. And they all came through the Commerce Committee. So John Mutz came there and and talked on these bills that he had in the legislature to do certain things. And uh, I got a real awakening real fast on what was happening in that committee and what was happening in the legislature because we were all pushing towards getting this economy and in our state going and being in good shape. So uh, I, I enjoyed the legislative process and later on I changed some of the committees I was on but uh, and then for a while I wasn't on any committees. Uh, yeah. I, I had another job there. Okay. Interesting. And did you have any political mentors in the Indiana General Assembly? Any political what? Uh, mentors, people that helped kind of guide you through the process. Yes, I did. Thank goodness for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Bob Daly was one who was the Speaker of the House. Uh, it, this was a time also when... Uh, there was a, a 
ban on gambling in our state. They were trying to get through the people who were trying, were horse people actually, they were trying to get through legislation allowing the lottery. Okay. And the Speaker of the House was Bob Daly, and I was on the committee where it was going to be heard, and I voted against it at the time, and Bob Daly was against it very much so. Uh, so he, he was right there. But my main mentor in the whole thing was a guy by the name of Jeff Espick. You may know Jeff. He's yeah. also one of the ex-legislators. Yes, I've, I've heard of him, yeah. Jeff is an outstanding legislator. He, he does a great job, and he was, he was the guy who showed me kind of the ropes on what was being done and how it was being done. And uh, he helped me along an awful lot with what was going on there. He was, he was, uh, and he was in uh, on the leadership stuff also. Uh, so that, that didn't hurt anything either to be in, uh, associated with some of those people. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it sounds like good connections to have. Um, yeah, well, it is. Do you, yeah. rem- do you remember the first bill that you sponsored? No. No, okay. I don't. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was something just to follow through mm-hmm. the legislative process. That's all it really was. And yeah. It forced you to get up on the floor and speak. It forced you to speak in committees. And then, then, of course, you were on committee, so you had to be there and listen to people speak to committees also. Uh, that's, that's what the bill was for more than anything else, and I don't remember what it was. I have no idea. I can remember some other bills, but not that one. Yeah, no, I understand. Um, what was the regular interactions like between different members of the General Assembly? The interaction was extremely good within your own party. Okay. The interaction between the opposite parties was uh, not not too bad, actually. Uh, I had friends on that side of the aisle, and I talked with them a lot, and. Uh, there were some people who were just hard-nosed one side or the other and, and all of that. I didn't believe that either side had all the answers, and I didn't believe that one side was good and one side was bad. I just believed that we had different philosophies on how government should run and what it should do. Um, yeah. And, and uh, I made no bones about the fact that I was I was very willing to to be with people, other people, and it's those friends that you make. And you're talking about the legislative process, but if you're not in the majority, it's very difficult to get stuff passed. Yeah. Okay. So what you do, not in the majority, 
is that you have friends on the other side, and they have bills that they can get through. Yeah. So you get little things that you need for people back home uh, passed inside one of those bills. It's it's put into another bill of of the same nature, and you can get things done. Uh, Some of the things that I passed were just for my own district. I mean, that's all that it really went to. So they they weren't statewide bills. They didn't have a statewide impact. They only had an impact, a small impact in our area. Uh, sure. So they weren't big bills to do anything with, but those bills were always open for people that had things, other local things in their districts that were coming. One of the one of those I'll give an example was uh, in Lafayette, in Tippecanoe County. I had a bill that would make one township into a town. And the reason it was done is because Eli Lilly had a plant there, and they they did not want to be annexed into Lafayette or West Lafayette, so they wanted it that way. Yeah, I passed I passed that bill. I did not have a bill to do that. Uh, a guy from Shelbyville. Uh, had the Cities and Towns Committee. And I asked him how to do it, and he got it done for me. And he put in some language that after this was done, this bill went to pot. I mean, it just, it it died. It was taken off the books. I think it had a three-year life to it. And uh, uh, he, he fixed it and got it. He knew how to do it. I wasn't sure how to go and do that sort of thing for them, but that's what they wanted. Other people in Lafayette could have put other things into that. Uh, um, yeah, okay, sure. What about the differences between the House and Senate? Uh, I'll tell you that there was probably um, a little more animosity at times between the two. Okay. Uh, even even in your own party. Yeah. Uh, some senators had the feeling that they were a little more special than House members. Right. And and they didn't like to work with you too much. Uh, okay. Others did. Others were extremely nice, and there weren't very many like the first group that wouldn't do anything. But uh, we got along pretty well, and... Uh, we had meetings. I, I mentioned earlier that uh, Bob Orr was governor, and before he went out of office, uh, I had gone to the leadership part of our General Assembly, and uh, House and Senate leadership all met every, I think it was Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday, but I believe it was Thursday. We met with the governor at noon, and uh, 
went over legislation, what was going to happen, and and that sort of thing, and what they wanted to happen, what the House was doing, what the Senate was doing. Uh, those meetings were very helpful to know how the, the House and Senate were working together yeah. to get things done. That, that the main legislative body, the, the governor and lieutenant governor, needed to have to do their job. So they were good good things to go to. It was very good. Very good. Yeah, okay. Um, and so when you were trying to get support for legislation, uh, did you feel like it wasn't too complicated to find people that would support you on different bills or...? Uh, no, it wasn't too hard. Uh, if Usually the only way that you lost support for your legislation was the fact that it was controversial. Uh, that would lose you more people than anything, uh, even your own people. They just didn't like some of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, when we get to some legislation, uh, we'll talk about uh, a couple of those things that did happen and, yeah. and what, uh, what took place. Sure, okay. Um, and how much of sort of creating legislation was conducted outside of votes and committee hearings, uh, but rather just like sort of private talks and stuff? How much was created outside? Yeah, like how much, how much legislation, how much of like the legislative talks that you would have in the General Assembly were were basically held in an informal setting versus the formal setting of, like, committee meetings and stuff? Well, uh, legislation came from two sources, mainly. Uh, one source was uh, came from summer study committees. Okay. And, and legislation would just come out of those that people... Uh, the chairman of the committee or whatever would take care of it and, and have legislation drafted. Uh, the other source came from the legislators themselves and what they saw in their own districts and what they observed was happening in our communities. And that, that source was, it, it wasn't drafted by the legislators, that everything was drafted by legislative assistants that we had, and a whole group of attorneys that were there to draft that stuff and make sure it was interfaced properly with all the various uh, places that they would go to. Uh, those were the most interesting. That, okay. Uh, yeah. And when people were voting on legislation, did you have a pretty good idea of, uh, of uh, you know, how people would vote before they actually were going to vote? Well, uh, you had a pretty good idea yeah. of how they were going to vote. Uh, I would say that 90% of the, of the legislation passed no matter if the Republicans or the Democrats are in charge. It 
just go through. It just it, it's ninety to eight. Okay. You know, it, it just uh, flops through. The ones that you got controversy on uh, would you were you were counting votes in. You were you were lining up. You're taking a list of the legislators, and this one's for, and this one's against, and, and this one's undecided. And yeah, you go through the whole list and do that, and you go talk to them. Yeah. And and you'd see how they were going to vote. Yes. And part of my job. At one time, and the leadership thing was to uh, get people to vote for legislation that that was needed to be passed. Uh, for mostly, it was legislation that the administration wanted the governor and lieutenant governor. Yeah, okay. But most most of that wasn't bad stuff anyway. So it just went through uh, once it was discussed and. Uh, altered and changed around the way it fit everybody, then it was okay. Right. No, that makes sense. Um, how influential would you say party leadership was when it came to getting legislation passed? Uh, party leadership was in, influential in... Uh, couple of different ways. Uh, one thing, people respected you and your opinions if, if there was something they didn't know about. Uh, but party leadership also would, could be a negative thing. If you didn't support some of that stuff, then the leadership wasn't going to support all of your stuff. Yeah. And uh, that worked that worked primarily on on one side of things. Uh, it it wasn't often done, but I've seen it done. Uh, I've seen it done for different reasons and just was just tell them something. So uh, rarely was it out of line to what what was done or how it was done. But uh, the negative was used once in a while, but not. You know, you need something in the budget. You want the budget or not? You were going to vote for the budget, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, so. Sometimes that would happen, but most of the times it was just a matter of sitting down with people and explaining and listening to their problems and and sometimes working out those problems so that it met their expectations. Yeah. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, well, it's not, it's not bad. They're, right. Uh, that's why we have committees that they, yeah. you go through and you listen to all that stuff. And, sure. And... Uh, you ask questions and you get answers and you get get change made that's good. Yeah. Uh, how often would you say you had to work with uh, Democrats to get legislation passed? Oh, 
Not very much. Okay. Uh, it, it wasn't uh, very often. Um, I had to work with Democrats more when the Democrats were in charge. Oh, sure, yeah. To, to get stuff passed. Uh, but I wasn't a big guy to get up and harangue Democrats because they were Democrats or even harangue Republicans sometimes. So I, I just didn't do that. Yeah. Uh, I thought we were all trying to do the same thing. We may have a little different philosophy on how it should be done, but we're all trying to make things better for the people. And uh, if you start doing things just because you don't like somebody, you're you're way off base. You're not you're not doing the right thing sure. anymore. Yeah. Um, what were the interactions like between Democrats and Republicans? Uh, interactions were fine. Uh, I would see going uh, uh, to lunch a lot in the leadership group. We didn't interact with Democrats all that much, but otherwise, I would see Republicans and Democrats going to lunch together and and visiting with each other and sitting around talking. It, it was fun. Yeah. Uh, so. they, but there were certain things that Democrats did, and there were certain things that Republicans did, and you just knew they were going to do it. Yeah, yeah, they had to do it. Right. Uh, it's just the way it was. Uh, unions. Republicans were always had to be opposed, and Democrats were always for. And it didn't make much difference if it made any sense or not. That's just the way it was. Okay, yeah. Sometimes it, it didn't make any sense. So it's just it's okay. kind of based off of like political philosophies of the parties that you have to be on this side or the other? Yeah, but that was that was one thing. Uh, Chamber of Commerce, for instance, gave money to both parties, but most of their legislation and the things they wanted came out of the Republican side. Okay. But there were Democrats that they they were uh, supportive of, and uh, unions same way. Although they just they had one or two. Uh, yeah. There was a, a lady that I suppose is on your list now, and her name was Barb Engel from up around Fort Wayne. Yeah. And, uh, Barb was uh, Barb was elected the same time I was, and she was elected as a Republican. Uh, she was a Republican all the time, except when school unions were concerned, and she was for the school union. And we knew it, you accepted it, and just went on. That's the way it was. Now, she switched later. After I was gone, she switched to the other party. Okay. Uh, I think they, I think some people got a little hateful with her or something. I don't, there were some new people coming in, and they, they thought they could do everything. I guess that happens. Interesting. That also happens. Yeah. See... What would you say was the most controversial legislative issue during your time in the General Assembly? Uh, most 
controversial things were the budget. Okay. Yeah. And and money for education. Those those were the most controversial things because they were of such massive amounts, and uh, people were trying to do things that, uh, and other people thought there ought to be some other things done, and that's they always that way, and uh, those were the most controversial. Now I had some, I had some controversial bills that uh, we worked with people very hard to make sure that we could get everybody on board. We didn't get everybody on board, but we got enough that we could pass those. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. Do you remember a particular piece of legislation that you had to sort of work on the longest that kind of took up the most time than other pieces of legislation that you worked on? Yes. Um, there, and that's the one that was controversial, and they uh, could not pass it before. I don't know. I, I can tell you what I did and got them, got them both passed. But it was uh, the living will. And there was a, a big controversy, religion, controversy mm. over the living will. And uh, it had, they tried to pass that several times and could not ever get it passed. There are two pieces of legislation that go with that. There's the, the living will itself, and there's a called the durable power of attorney. And uh, the living will means that you make a decision that when you can't recover, they withhold services and, and let you die. They don't give you, hook you up to a, some monitor that keeps your heart beating. Oh, okay. You shouldn't be. Yeah. And, uh, that sort of thing. It's when people are, they're, they're just right before they die. Right. And the other, the durable power of assuring means you give the right to make those decisions to another person. Yeah. So it's a, it's a different piece. I just divided the two. And uh, the living will legislation was the first time we passed. And it was, uh, written and rewritten and all kind, of, and it was not. It was done with both Republicans and Democrats. It was not a uh, piece of legislation that was politically controversial. It was philosophically controversial to some of those people. Okay. So I worked with. Religious leaders, the uh, uh, Catholic had a, a lobby there, and I worked with them a lot, and I worked with uh, the ministerial associations on making sure we didn't allow, allow this to become a uh, euthanasia bill. Mm -hmm. And we, we worked on it for a long time, and we finally got it passed after going over... Uh, May and shall and all kinds of 
just single words like that. And if you look at the living will legislation, once it's been changed, and it was only changed once after it was passed that I knew about, uh, it has a, a part of it that you can not only have people withdraw services if you're dying, but you can have them at it. If you want to, them to do everything they can to keep you alive, you can do that. Yeah. Uh, that's a, a separate part of it. Uh, that piece of legislation, I went through, I had Republicans and Democrats vote for it, and Republicans and Democrats both were against it. It just was, that's so yes. it was. And it yeah. went to the Senate, and it passed, and we wow. we got it out. Uh, got that one out, and then, and then the next year we went to the durable power of attorney. It wasn't nearly as hard. We got it passed also. Okay. So those are the two pieces of legislation. And the place that it came from, I was at a basketball game in Crawfordville, and we were walking across the floor, and the guy says, well, we have a, a living will in our state. And I said, I don't know. We'll find out. And that's when it all started right there. It was from that one guy walking across the floor at the basketball game. And I knew him. Yeah. And he hollered at me and he asked me that question. So we did it. We got it done the next year. That's interesting. Okay. And it passed. But it was a, it was a good piece of legislation. Yeah. It probably wasn't any more important than some of that commerce legislation that we did, we passed for John Mutz. Yeah. I didn't have as much to do with it. I carried some of those bills, but I wasn't, I didn't have much to do with them. Uh, putting them together, uh, Mutz, Mutz did a great job of doing that as a lieutenant governor, building those things up to so we could compete in the in the world and the business and industry. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, what would you say was the biggest hurdle you had to overcome during your time in office? Leaving. Leaving. Okay. Why is that? Didn't really do 
but it was a, a little perk that you got. You yeah. were in the second tier of leadership. And I just went on from there, and I finally uh, became caucus chairman and uh, just stayed in that position for a few years, and then I, I left the legislature and left it. Somebody else took that job, but it was... Uh, it was, uh, uh, everything I did was fun, and, uh, oh, well, not everything, I guess, but most of it. Uh, I met some very, very nice people. Uh, not only legislators, but people who come to see that legislation is done, that are interested in it, come back home. Uh, they were They were just... Good people, a lot of good people. Yeah. Uh, I had a, a lady one time who was a, a good friend. Her, in fact, her whole family was a good friend, but they were Democrats. Okay. And, and I remember uh, uh, a guy got elected as a Republican on the uh, county commissioners. And she told him, she said, if you need any Democrats for anything, I know all three of them in town. I'll get one for you. <laughs> She was a, she was a, just a jewel, and she wanted to know there was uh, uh, some controversy over legislation up in Minnesota, and it was over uh, people getting married, and then uh, all the wealth was divided equally in the, in the marriage, no matter what how it came in, no matter anything about it. She wanted to know about this bill, so I said, I'll get it for you. And I got it, and I gave it to her one day. And she called me the next day, and she says, this is awful. <laughs> I said, I've been telling you that's awful all along. <laughs> she said, well, we don't need anything like this. I said, you don't, and you're not going to get it either, because it was bad. It was, <laughs> what, it, what it did with their legislation, and they probably changed it now, but they... If a guy or a lady wanted to be a jerk, all she had to, she or he had to do was to marry somebody, put $10 or a dollar into their account, and if they had half of that account, it was theirs, <laughs> no matter how big it was. Wow. They had a dollar and somebody else had a million dollars in their way, it, it was theirs, and that was a very controversial part of it that uh, yeah. somebody could um, uh, scam it, so to speak, uh, sure. with the legislation, make it uh, a legal scam, I guess. So, but uh, the whole thing was fun. The whole thing was a good time, and uh, I enjoyed speaking to people. Uh, I enjoyed going to schools and talking. We talked mostly to fourth graders, and... Uh, I had a little program I put together with the flag, and I would get the kids involved with it. Uh, and we would go through what, how the flag was made up and what all the things on the flag meant. And, uh, it, was, uh, it, was, it was a fun time to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, so was the city council, for that matter. I was on the city council, and it was too. In fact, I took more flack off the city council than I actually took off the legislature. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Hmm.
Well, you were when you're on a city council, you're right there with everybody every day. Oh, okay. So yeah. If there's a pothole in the road, they're gonna call you about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, I, there weren't. Uh, there were people who thought that we were being watched every day, but in reality, people didn't didn't do that. Uh, yeah. They didn't 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 understand. Some of them would come to legislative breakfast, which we would have, and, and they would learn what the legislation was that was going through. Senators would be there, and House members would be there, and we'd talk about the legislation in general and our own pieces of legislation, what they were trying to do. So, sure. It was worthwhile. Yeah, sounds like it. So, uh, what lessons would you say you learned from your experience in the General Assembly? Well, I learned how to do a lot of things that I wasn't very good at to start, and it was difficult. One is public speaking, which everybody fears so much, and by the time I left the legislature, there was no fear of that at all. yeah. I learned that there's times you have to compromise. You have to, you, you, you can't be hard-nosed every day. Uh, you're not always right, and you're not always wrong, but uh, you don't, uh, you don't want to be hard-nosed for your unbending, unreliable, and you're just stonewall anybody who's different than you. That's not, that's not correct. It's not the right thing to do. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think it helped me in operating my own business back home. I, I knew people and they come in and you could talk with people. Uh, you knew, you learned to listen a lot. I mean, we're talking here back and forth with the two of us. and uh, We learned to listen. Uh, because if you if you're doing all the talking, there's a whole bunch of knowledge out there you're missing all the time. Yeah. And and uh, one session before I became uh, part of the full membership thing, I was a county. I was a chairman of, of the commerce committee, as a matter of fact, and. Uh, uh, you you learn how to conduct meetings. You learn lots of different things. You learn how people react, how people act. Uh, it, it's just a big learning process. It, it I probably learned more there than I ever did in college. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Um. Do you have any regrets as a legislator? No, nope. I don't have any regrets at all as a legislator. I, uh, I do regret what's happened, what happened to some people uh, when they were in uh, controversial districts, okay. know, districts that are really even and they lose their seat and it's just uh, devastating to them. I feel sorry for some of those people on both sides. 
Yeah. Republican or Democrat. They, they, they were very, very good people over there. Yeah, there's a few jerks, but there always are, I guess. And you get a hundred people together, you're going to have some of that. But for the most part, the people do a, a really good job of electing their their legislators. And uh, I was proud to serve with them, and and uh, all of them, Republicans and Democrats, senators and House members, yeah. and the local offices. I'm I'm talking about the. Uh, Treasurer and Secretary of State and all of those people that are elected to those offices. They're very good people, too. Yeah. Sure. So, yes, I, I regret some of those. I regret leaving those people and missing those people, but it, it was, in my mind, it was time for me to move on and somebody with different thoughts and different actions to go up and and uh, do their job. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what would you say was your proudest moment as a legislator? Passing that uh, living will legislation. Yeah, okay. It, it was, I mean, I did some other things, like I told you about getting the, the township all changed into a town, and... I did things for Crawfordville. Uh, Crawfordville had owned uh, a historic site, and they wanted to turn it back over to the uh, historical society. But technically, the way the books are are written, they had to put it up for bids if they were going to do that. Okay. And uh, they didn't want to do that. They didn't want to put this site up for bids. So I got. A piece, another piece of legislation like that that uh, just allowed them to sell it for a buck, a dollar to yeah. the historical society, and that's what they did. And then that, then that one also went away. I, I learned my lesson. I made it so it died, and it did. It just died. But those things you're you're proud of to do the jobs that uh, people want back home to uh, answer their questions and um, get them um, acclimated with, with the government so that they can get their things done if they have uh, problems with the insurance industry or medical problems or anything else. Uh, I had a special way that we handled those and it was that we don't dump any you, you you've been dumped i've been dumped where people just pass you off to somebody else and forget you yeah well i told my people that you call back and you make sure that when they went to that person they got what they needed and then if they didn't then go back and, and start working on it again sure and make sure they got taken care of and uh I had people that uh, that had questions more than once, and they would just call my staff people. I didn't even know it until after they'd already called and something had been done. But uh, the, they knew who to call to get the thing done. We yeah. didn't do all of that stuff. Uh, so, but there were things that legislators could get that other people could not get. Uh, they. They just wouldn't put up with them, but the legislators they put up with, 
because the legislators also had a little bit of control over their funds and their jobs. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. I, I did regret leaving those people. I, I had some very good friends there, and uh, I did regret that. But the way it is. Sure. Yeah, you, no. You do what you believe, and that's what I believe. Yeah, makes sense. Should be done. Uh, what advice would you give to future legislators or even current legislators? Well, I think it's, it's, I don't know that it's advice you can take. You either are or you aren't. And if you're an honest and uh, fair person to start with, you will do well as a legislator. If you're self-centered and looking out for your interests only, you're not going to do very well. You probably won't even get elected, but if you do, uh, you're not going to do very well working with other people because they're not going to like your philosophy of things. So I I don't know that it's advice, but... I would tell you if you're a self-centered person and not worry about what other people have and have to do, you're not going to be very good. It's just not going to work out. Yeah. It's a, it's a bad thing. Yeah. Honesty is, uh, and that's the way I was raised. My dad was that way. He believed in that. And honesty is, is the biggest thing going that's uh, the one thing we have yeah sure uh, what in your opinion is the most important work of the Indiana General Assembly the most important work of what of the Indiana General Assembly most important work they do is funding uh, uh, that's that's uh, the main thing is funding and uh, funding education. Okay. Education, both both at the local level and the higher education. Yeah. Uh, are all very dependent on the legislature, and they take a large sum of all the money that that is spent. So. Those are the main functions, but the other functions are making sure that people have the ability to live a, a good life and free of, of threats all the time from criminals and other things of people that take advantage of them. We, we need to to do the things that our citizens need to make sure they have good lives for themselves and their families. Yeah, okay. What would you say the public does not know about the Indiana General Assembly and how it operates? The public knows very little (laughs) about it, actually. Uh, 
most people that are elected know very little about it. They learn quickly, but they don't know. They don't know the process of how a bill gets printed, how it gets entered, how it goes through the process of committees and hearings and all that. They, they have no idea about that. Uh, some of them do because we tell them, but that's a very small number of the people that we ever reach to tell exactly what's happening. I've seen legislators that would get to talking about something someone asked about, like in those breakfasts that we go to while we were in session. And they, would, they wouldn't tell anything about the bill. They wouldn't tell anything about what it's going to do. They'd just tell you about the process. Well, you know, we've got to get this in, in order so we can get this through committee. And then once it gets through committee, we got to get it through the House. And then after it, we finally get it there, we got to send it over to the Senate, and they got to get it through the committee. And, and it's blah, 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 all that. Say nothing. Say nothing. Well, people do that. And, uh, yeah, and I guess they think they're telling people something really important, but it's not important at all. They don't tell them what kind of a chance it has. They don't tell them what it even wants to do or what, what it might do that was bad. Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, some things are bad. And, uh, and I'll tell you this, a great deal of the legislation that is going through the General Assembly is nothing but correcting errors we made in previous assemblies. Wow. There's a whole bunch of it that just does that. Somebody comes in and they got a, some legislation that deals with judges, and they, they want to change something about judges, and next thing you know, you've voted it through, and here come 14 other judges around that we've stepped on along the way. So we have to go back and correct what we've done so that we don't solve the problem for one and, and create problems for 14 more. So yeah. there's a lot of that goes on. And you just have to make sure that it doesn't, it doesn't do that. But we don't get it done all the time. Sure. Legislators, uh, I wish, were a little more... Uh, into reading legislation and knowing what it was, and, uh, especially in their own committees, uh, to, to read those. Uh, it just, I had a, a, I served when the Democrats were in charge, and I was on a committee, and I won't mention any names here, but I had a, a Democrat was in charge of the committee. He was a good friend. And he'd come to me before we go to a meeting. He says, is there anything I need to look out for in these bills that he had on the agenda for that day? And I had read them, and uh, I would tell him if there was anything he needed to look for. Most of the time, there's nothing. Right. But once in a while, there was something he needed to watch out for, somebody do something or whatever. And we'd talk about it, and he'd be ready for it. So it was it worked it's a it's the regular thing you got to communicate communicate with people and you have to trust people so.
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. It's uh, important things that people should know. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's see. Last few questions here. Um, how prominent would you say lobbying was in the General Assembly, and, and what effect did it have? Uh, lobbying was not what the general public thinks it is. Okay. Lobbying, uh, generally, from the legislative standpoint, are people that, yes, they bring bills up and they explain those bills and they explain why they need them and they're, uh, they'll take care of, of things for you. But if you ask them about things that are not too good, in this legislation, or that might hurt somebody else in the legislation, they're very willing to uh, listen to that and, and to make changes uh, where necessary. Lobbyists are also good resources, and they're really good. If you, you get a, a lobbyist that is, has been there for a while, he, he's been through the legislative processes, and he knows the law that affects him, and if you need some explanations of some of those things, they can do it, and they can give you a lot of background. So uh, I got along well with lobbyists. I never had any trouble with, well, I, I didn't have any trouble with any of them. Some of them were against me, uh, but I didn't have any trouble with them. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, they were, they like union lobbyists, they weren't going to vote for me, and they weren't going to give me any money, and they weren't going to help me, and they're going to they're going to give money to my opponent. I know that, and they know that. So, what's the big deal? Yeah, it works, and and uh, I go to them and get information on on what uh, they were doing and things, and why certain things were happening. They they just want the playing field tilted in their way and the other people want to tilt it their way and that's what the whole thing's about. They're, they're working on it and they try to keep it pretty level. And they do, they keep it fairly level. Yeah, sure. Um, how would you say the state of Indiana has changed over the course of your lifetime? changed considerably. There's more people, there's more roads, uh, interstate systems been put in. Uh, industry has left our country, uh, that part I don't like. Uh, we have changed uh, a lot of things from what it was. Uh, the local downtown stores were those people that built and ran those stores. They were the leaders in our community. They were the people that ran for mayor and ran for the councils. And, and they're also the people that lead all the service clubs at uh, the Elks and, and the Kiwanis and the Rotary and all those. Those are the people that did that. Those are gone. They're, those have gone. The big box stores are the things that have taken over. And I was one of those in that transition. Uh, 
I was a, a medium box door, and yeah, I I look at that and I think I am not sure that's what I should have been doing, but you know it it went on whether I did it or not. It was going to happen, and it did happen. And uh, you you can go down through the downtowns of little towns around Indiana, and you'll see storefronts all empty. They're all empty, not all, but most of them are empty because all the business has gone out to the the big box stores. And yeah. there's one in almost every town anymore. Every at least county seat. So that's the biggest change that's happened. And we don't have those people anymore in our communities that are good at that. The people that have some are usually ones that have a college or university in their town. They've got some very qualified people to do some things uh, in those. We, we're not going to lose those. But if you don't have that year, you're not going to go very far. So they are the leaders and they are gone. They've, uh, they've closed their stores or they they died in the store and nobody else could take it, so it closes. We used to have people would come in and they'd open a new men's store or a women's store down, but those those are all gone. Our towns have changed in, in what we have and, and where uh, our focuses are, and it's just the way it is. I mean, look at Indianapolis, everything moved out, and it was, uh, no, if you remember that or not, but while I was there, we passed legislation, and uh, it was done by the Simons. They were pushing this legislation. They've got all those places built downtown Indianapolis. Now it's coming back, and there's more crime down there, that sort of thing. But for a while... When I was there, we walked all over town. We at night we walked. We go over to places and then walk home. Yeah. And uh, you don't do that anymore. Right, it's, right. It's uh, it, it just it. We cleaned it up and then we've let it go back. So it's uh, those are things that have changed. That I remember the old days and they were not too bad, but. You know, there's some good things. Uh, we've had everybody, almost everyone now, thinks of cell phones. Cell phones came into being in about 1990. 30 years, that's all. Mm -hmm. Cell phones are wonderful. Yeah. But there weren't any before that, and everybody got along just fine. They just didn't have a phone on them all the time. Those are the kind of things that have changed. There's a lot of things that have changed for the good, too, but... Uh, I don't know. Uh, it, it, we just have to keep working to make it make it do what people want it to do. So we'll be all right. Yeah, we're we're going to be okay. Yeah, sure. Um, let's see. What about uh, how do you think the Indiana General Assembly and politics in Indiana? How do you think those have changed? Politics 
in and of itself is um, very partisan. Yeah. And that partisanship is not always good for things. But by being partisan, that both parties are that way, uh, we get things done on both sides of the aisle. We change. Uh, uh, Democrats come into power for a while, and then Republicans come into power. Uh, there are some things that have gotten out of whack in that process. Uh, little uh, places like Crawfordville, where I was did my I spent my lifetime. Uh, they don't change a great deal, but there are there are some uh, changes there where Republicans don't hold every office. Yeah, there are things that that uh, Democrats also uh, achieve, and uh, and rightfully so in lots and lots of cases. Uh, but in Democrat towns, I'm sure there's like Terre Haute, which is a solid Democrat. There are Republicans that get elected every once in a while there. So there are some changes, but you. I'm not sure what's happened to our cities. Our cities are all bankrupt. They're all controlled by the Democrat Party. Mm -hmm. There seems, I don't know how we changed that. I don't know how we changed to make these things not bankrupt anymore and not just going under and have to be bailed out by the federal government. I mean, for the last 30 years, we've been looking at, at uh, places that they can't even pay their, the benefits that they've got uh, for people who've retired. It's just Detroit, Chicago, Indianapolis. Uh, Indianapolis is not so bad, uh, but uh, Baltimore, all these towns, these major cities, and they've we've done things to try to help make them more even keel, but um, it doesn't seem to have worked too well. The cities, I think, need some work and to get them more open to both sides. Whenever the parties are about even, it really works well. Yeah. It does work well. Whenever one has all control, doesn't work so well. Mm -hmm. It's just the way it is, and uh, uh, we need to change some things. But we've always needed to change some things. There's, right. Uh, there's always something that's, that needs some work, and whether it's schools or school buildings or what, it, we need some things. Anyway, they, you get into, they get into big fights over, we're going to consolidate schools. Boy, that was a big, big fight for a long time. Sure. Now, now I doubt if we tried to divide them, they'd allow them to be divided. But um, there's some that, that would, but it seems to finally work itself out. Things things work out. Yeah. They seem to. And they'll, they'll fix the city someday, too, but it's going to take a while. Right. Um, let's see. What qualities do you think that uh, 
the people of Indiana still have or hold dear? The people have? What qualities do the people have? Yeah, people of Indiana, yeah. Oh, I, I think the people in Indiana are all fairly conservative. Even even the liberal Democrats are more conservative than you really believe uh, or you think because if you go look at some of them in some other places, they would be totally out of out of line with with some of that. I think the people are uh, more conservative and are dedicated to working to make things happen. I just think most of the people in our state want to have a better world than than when we came in. We, we all want to do that. Uh, we don't all do it, but we want to do it. And I, I just think the people of Indiana are still hardworking, uh, dedicated individuals that uh, enjoy life and enjoy their families. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. So last question here. Um, uh, what do you think... Uh, Hoosiers need to do to help make the Indiana General Assembly better? Oh, I think the thing that would make the Indiana General Assembly uh, operate a little better if it was more open to the people. And we did that. I happened to be there when we put computers in the General Assembly. I, I was one of the first people to have a computer. I'm talking about laptops that the yeah. legislators have. Now everybody's got one. And to get, you know, we were talking about the library and to get stuff put into the library and put it in places where people can access it, they can actually see what's going on in the legislature. Most of them don't care. Yeah. But if they want to know, if they want to know if there's anything uh, that affects them, they can they can look it up and see. And uh, uh, almost everybody has a computer anymore uh, in, their house, in their home, so they can go on the Internet, they can do that kind of stuff. Make it more open so that people can see and so that legislators know they can't just go up there and do willy-nilly <laughs> and then go home and, and talk out of the other side of their mouth. Uh, uh, we have congressmen that do that. We right. don't need any more legislators that do that. And, uh, and just keep it as open as we can for the general public to know what's going on, and that will make everything work better. It just makes it, there's a few people that are get paranoid about it, and they just, they won't do anything because they think it's a, a bad deal. But it's not a bad deal. It's not bad at all to let people know that what you're doing and why you're doing it. And uh, Right. If you, if you can't explain why you're doing something, you better not be doing it. That's just the way that things are. Yeah. But, uh, sure. Well, so that's that's what I think can make it better. Yeah. 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 
That's good. All right. Well, that's all the questions I have for you. Is there anything that I didn't ask about that you want to mention? or? No. Um, I appreciate talking about the legislature. It's been a long time since I was there. Yeah. But uh, they are some very dedicated people, and uh, you can be proud of the work that they do for everyone in the state of Indiana. Uh, it's, it's a good process. It's one of the best I've seen. It has its problems, but it's still the best I've ever seen. So I, I appreciate talking with you, and we'll uh, talk again someday, I hope. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for uh, taking part in the project, and, and um, I'll be in touch with you more. So.